KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, November 3rd. Was San Diego's contact tracing program worth it? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Three hundred thousand San Diego County children will be eligible for the Pfizer vaccine recommended on Tuesday by a CDC committee. Dr. Christian Ramers with the Family Health Centers of San Diego says this decision is a game changer. I know pediatricians uh, across the country are absolutely excited because they've been seeing the suffering of the kids that actually end up in the hospital those that go on with long-term symptoms. The CDC director still has to approve the recommendation along with the Western States Review Group. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted 3-2 to two on Tuesday to keep in place their COVID-19 vaccine mandate for county employees. The vote followed intense debate and public comment that included a man who said he wished death upon the supervisors and made racist and bigoted comments at the board meeting. Board Chair Nathan Fletcher released a statement after the meeting saying, quote, dissent and disagreement is essential to a functioning and healthy democracy, but the hateful, racist and vulgar speech dominating our meetings has no place in San Diego County, end quote. In another Board of Supervisors decision, a regional office to support the film and TV industry will open in San Diego County. Here's Film Consortium San Diego founder Jody Silly. This is a really complex industry. It's a very expensive city, so creating any jobs here is incredible. And if you've seen the budgets on some of these films, they're huge. You know, a lot of money could be brought to San Diego. The office would help with permits, connect productions with locations and crew, even assist with resources like fire, police, and parking. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego County's contact tracing program was envisioned as a critical pillar in the fight to stop the spread of COVID-19. The idea was to identify everyone who had been exposed to COVID-19 and notify them so they could quarantine. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser looks into how the county's program actually worked. It was the early days of the pandemic, and Jessica wanted to do something, anything to help. So she jumped at the chance to be a case investigator for San Diego County's contact tracing program. It was a pretty steep learning curve. We were thrown into into the mix 
within just a few days of training. But um, after a few days of pretty rigorous training, um, I would say that I caught on pretty quickly. KPBS is not using Jessica's real name and has distorted her voice to protect her livelihood. She is part of a contact tracing program that at one point employed nearly 1,000 people and has so far cost the county millions. Despite this commitment, it became clear within months that it wasn't nearly enough to stop the spread. During the summer surge of 2020, just 11% of people with COVID-19 were being contacted by a case investigator within a day, far short of the county's goal of 70%. Now, more than 18 months into the pandemic, experts are looking back on the program to examine how it could have been changed to be more effective. Rebecca Fielding-Miller is an epidemiologist at UC San Diego. Contact tracing is the most useful when you think of it as putting out flare-ups rather than dealing with a wildfire. Um, so in the very beginning, um, February, March, April. Um, yeah, it was really important to catch those flare-ups as quick as we could, but of course it was hard with how hard it was to get a test and how long the turnaround was. Um, I think when we got into the real peak of it, you could not tamp down that wildfire with, um, with case investigation and contact tracing. County officials would not agree to be interviewed for this story, but county spokesman Michael Workman insisted in emailed responses to questions that the program is worthwhile. Still, he acknowledged that even now, the county is only able to reach and interview about 50% of people exposed. Jessica feels her work has made a difference, but the job has taken a significant toll on her mental health, especially since the COVID vaccine became available and the virus became even more politicized. People will scream at her and tell her she can't control them and that COVID is a myth. It can feel like a Sisyphean task at times when there are folks who just don't want that information or potentially are going out into the community after perhaps they've tested positive or have been exposed, knowing that they are potentially probably exposing other people to this virus and knowing that there are some people who don't stop to think about how that can be affecting other people in their own community. Um, it's, it, it, it's a heartbreaker. Then another setback. As vaccination rates increased and case counts decreased in the spring and early summer, the county cut back its contact tracing staff by nearly half. Then, as the Delta variant surged, the county tried to hire back the contract tracers who'd been laid off. Cases will likely surge again over the holiday season. But in 2022 and beyond, as COVID becomes endemic, not a pandemic, contact tracing will prove especially useful. So says Fielding Miller, the epidemiologist. Think of the, the wildfire analogy. We will be more in a place where we're keeping our eye out for hotspots. 
the quicker you can stop a hotspot from spreading, the better off everybody is going to be. Meanwhile, for Jessica, the heartbreak continues. I just had someone call me yesterday asking me if the county could help in any way um, because she was going to miss 10 days of work and her employer was not providing any kind of sick pay for her. Despite the stress, she will keep working as long as she's needed. And that was KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. The Oceanside Unified School District held a special meeting on Tuesday to vote on controversial proposals to consolidate and close several schools. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more. Parents, teachers, and students rallied before the district meeting in hopes of getting the school board to shut down the idea of closing and combining schools in the district. It seems the board got their message. Board President Stacy Begin presented a new motion. We will not move forward with consolidation of schools at this time. And we start the process to rebuild Reynolds Elementary and modernize Surfside Academy. The board voted unanimously in favor of the motion, and for the time being, no schools in Oceanside will be consolidated or closed. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. Local climate change experts are watching the climate summit in Scotland, and they're concerned that participants there are not focused on the immediate actions necessary to stave off severe global warming. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. San Diego researcher Vera Padran Ramanathan says San Diego is already experiencing the impact of rising global temperatures, and he worries how people will cope. He says immediate and drastic actions are needed to keep global warming from getting dramatically worse. Even if you ask the most you know, gung-ho person, we are going to bring down the climate change, it's going to take us at least 20 years, if not 30 years, to bring down the emissions to below 10%. I don't think we're ever going to get it to zero. Ramanathan urged world leaders, including the Pope, to make climate change a priority, but he's losing faith. I'm also honestly quite a bit disillusioned with these meetings. There are a lot of talks, not substance, okay? We are going to come with some, you know, meaningful things, but nothing commensurate to the problem we are facing. New research out of UCLA already blames most of the Western wildfire behavior on climate change. The study says the atmosphere is drying out landscapes. And that's just one impact. Climate Central Science Director Andrew Pershing says San Diego's average temperature could climb six degrees by the end of the century if carbon emissions aren't cut sharply. That's a very different climate than what many people in San Diego grew up in. Um, if we can limit warming to one and a half degrees, then San Diego is looking at only about another degree Fahrenheit warming. And so it's a very similar world to the one that we have right now. California has some aggressive goals aimed at reducing the amount of carbon released into the air, but achieving a carbon-neutral economy by 2050 might come too late to have a significant impact on warming. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson.
A federal judge has struck down part of California law that limits protests at vaccination sites. CAP Radio's Scott Rod reports. Earlier this year, protesters attempted to shut down some COVID-19 vaccination sites. So California lawmakers passed legislation that establishes a buffer zone around vaccine locations and people entering them. The law applies to all vaccination sites. An anti-abortion group filed a lawsuit since abortion clinics provide certain STD vaccines. The judge took issue with the law's definition of harassment, which includes activities like passing out leaflets and displaying signs. A temporary restraining order allows protesters to carry out those activities, but still prevents them from obstructing and intimidating people entering vaccination sites. And that was Cap Radio's Scott Rod. Coming up, for people getting out of jail or substance abuse recovery centers, reintegration back into society can be a tough journey. A lot of the guys that I was incarcerated with, they didn't have the family support, the friends were not positive influences, um, and they might not have come out of prison with a, a particular job skill. So. I really wanted to help guys have all three of those resources. We learn about a North County nonprofit helping recently released individuals with support and jobs. That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. For people getting out of jail or drug and alcohol addiction recovery centers, reintegration back into society can be a tough journey. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne introduces us to a nonprofit helping recently released individuals with support and jobs. On his days off, Nick Saldana gets ready to hit the waves. But life for Saldana wasn't always so sweet, as he says. Couch surfing, doing anything I got to do to get money, no matter what it was, as far as stealing stuff from stores to eat, to going to different friends' house, seeing if they had food or whatever it was. So just couch surf life, basically. A final robbery and a tarnished record got Saldana nine years in prison. And I would see people coming back in like two or three times before I'd even get out. Like they'd be in there, I'd be in there for like a year. Three years later, they come back and they're like, you're still here? And I'm like, yeah, you're back. Saldana didn't want to be back. He completed his sentence by staying busy with fire camp, working out, and looking ahead to leaving his past behind. When Saldana was released, he got a job at a grocery store. It helped him pay rent and buy a car, but he wasn't happy. Wake up at four or five go skate to work, if it was raining to the bus, like skating to the bus in the rain, to showing up soaking wet, having to work in a dairy cooler and stuff like that, and they didn't care. That's when he got connected with Tim Lambesis, the founder of a nonprofit called Reintegration. 
It serves people who've served time or have left recovery programs by helping them get jobs. He helps Aldana get a stage crew job for TV shows and events, something he enjoys. Really, you just have to like go and just look for a job, like reach out to a bunch of different people every single day, apply everywhere, and sooner or later, like it's gonna come. You know, it just depends on how fast and how motivated like, like the person is, you know? Lampesis is the lead singer of the musical group As I Lay Dying. In 2014, Lambesis pled guilty for attempting to hire someone to murder his wife at the time. Because it's not really something I can like defend or explain in a way that somebody's gonna be like, oh, I get it, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It's not like a logical place in my life, you know, just like a dark spot in my life. Lambesis says he lives with regret every day. Something I wish I could take back every day, but it's nothing I can really do to take it back so much as I can just show that that was a very isolated moment in my life. The only way to prove that is by the way I live my life going forward. While he was in prison, Lambesis got a degree in addiction counseling. But a lot of the guys that I was incarcerated with, they didn't have the family support, the friends were not positive influences, um, and they might not have come out of prison with a, a particular job skill. So I really wanted to help guys have all three of those resources. Reintegration works with different companies looking to hire and willing to give people a chance. They offer resume support and mock interviews to help them secure the job. A lot of these guys are more than capable on their own of, of getting a job and they have, um, you know, they have skills, they just need that support system and other guys need to actually develop the skills so they need to maybe come into like a lower level job temporarily, uh, work their way up so that they can have something that starts out like on the minimum wage level but eventually can become a career. Lambesis says everyone is facing different things and the organization has to take every case by case. But by offering support and helping people find a sustainable job, Lambisa says they are reducing recidivism and preventing old patterns from repeating. These are people who have been through things and a lot of times very heartbreaking things. And so I think um, as we give it, some of these guys and, and hopefully some girls as well a chance to tell their stories, that that only, not only validates like what they've been through, but helps some of these employers see that you know, these, are, these are great people that have done a bad thing, not, not bad people. This is Reintegration's first year of operation, and they've helped 13 people so far. Their office in Carlsbad opens later this month. Lambesis hopes the organization can grow their staff, employment opportunities, and the number of people they help. I think a little bit of the, the narrative is changing, um, especially around addiction. But then with incarceration, it's like people are often defined by this worst moment in their life. And I personally feel like people are so much more than that. And that was reporting from KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, 
presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.